Welcome to Food Connection, the podcast where we talk about all things food and cooking and chat with our favorite Phoenix chefs. I am Pascal Dionneau, the co-host with Chef Lou Swartz and Danielle Sanders. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of Food Connection with Pascal Dionneau and Lou Swartz. How are you guys? Good, 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 thank you. Good to see you. Yes, long time no see. Yeah. Um, so, how was everyone's weekend? It's restaurant week. It will be restaurant week will be over by the time this comes out, I guess. But did anyone eat anywhere for restaurant week? I did not. I did. I did. I went to Posh, and uh, it was very nice. It's uh, it, Posh is a um, is a restaurant in uh, Scottsdale. Um, what's his name? Josh is the chef. A uh, good guy. Good guy in the fact that um, all his cooks are like under 20 years old. He uh, he's constantly uh, uh, hiring young kids and helping them. Um, he uh, he really is uh, a nice guy. Now, the the whole concept in his restaurant is interesting and uh, very different from uh, other places. When you sit down, you have a piece of paper and they tell you with a, a list of uh, ingredients and they say what. Well, Cost the one you don't like, like escargot, frog's legs, uh, goose mm. breast, uh, sweet bread, whatever. And uh, so if you don't want any, just cross it. And if there's something you absolutely love, just just uh, whatever, underline it. And uh, he, we, he'll make a menu so you can do a four course menu, five course menu, six course menu, etc. And um, and he will send you he will send you food one after the other. Um, an interesting thing is if you have a party of two, uh, he will not send the same dishes uh, oh. for the two of you. So nice. I always like to taste different stuff. So it's always uh, it's fun. So you can have the the five course menu and you end up eating ten different things actually or tasting ten different things. Um, food is good. Service is nice. It was fun to see actually. Um, is my ready or uh, in charge of the dining room? Is oh I can't remember her name now. Uh, she was in charge at Evit in charge of the the dining room. Um, very nice. She's also a CCAP student. She uh, she came up the rank from the whole thing, scholarship, uh, schooling, oh, nice. etc. Yes, yeah, so beautiful. And she's now running his uh, the front of his dining room. So very nice. It was a, a very nice evening. I have not gone out. So me neither. Yeah, we live boring lives. Yeah, we. <laughs> We never go out to eat anymore. But it happens when you have a kid. You have a baby. That's I know. It. Although, so we went to we brought our baby to Vegas last weekend. That was um, I don't know if I if I do that again. We brought her to um, Yardbird at the Venetian, which is fried chicken and like southern food, but it's very like trendy hip. Uh-huh. So it was kind of a I don't an awkward place to bring a baby. But that's fine. I figured it'd be better than a fancy place. And then we went to Bouchon Bakery. They just have a little bakery at the Venetian, too. Mm-hmm. So we went there for breakfast, and then we could just sit in the food court. So that was good. And then, actually, my husband gave me the hugest insult ever. So we went to Bouchon, we went to Bouchon Bakery, which is, I, want, I had decided before we left that I wanted to go get stuff from there for breakfast. And so we went there, and we ordered a whole bunch of croissants and macarons and pastries we had it like all laid out on our table so we could <laughs> figure out what we we're going to eat first and then he went to go eat it and I was like whoa, whoa, whoa hold on I want to take a picture first and he was like you know first of all he said no and then, and then he was like you know sometimes you really act like a foodie mm-hmm. yeah and I was like oh and I just put my phone back I didn't even take a picture because 
He wow. really hit me where it, where it hurts. Spelled foodie with an F U, right? So. <laughs> quiet, quiet to drive back to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh. <laughs> but then you were telling me it was funny at the coffee shop with those people that had the mirror. Oh, God. Oh, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, we're uh, in uh, Scottsdale Quarter and uh, went out for a cup of coffee. And at that press the, coffee? The press coffee. Yeah. And they were, there was two ladies there and they had the full on camera, you know, with the big giant zoom lens and the, and the, the you know, the, for the, sh, you know, shining of the light and, you know, directing of the light. And they're taking a picture of a cup of tea. And I'm just like, you really don't need the lighting. You really don't need, you know, you're going to get a good enough photo with, probably with your cell phone camera. I mean, it's going to be perfectly fine, but they got this whole thing set up and I'm like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me for a cup of tea or yeah. And it's like, what's the point? I mean, just take the damn photo and, and, and post it on uh, Instagram and uh, and have at it and, you know, do your little hashtags and everybody go, ooh, that looks like a really good cup of tea and I'm going to go there. So just what a waste of time. You know, enjoy your food, enjoy your drinks when they're, you know, when it's warm, when it's cold, whatever the case might be, and, uh, uh, you know, leave the camera at home. So that, that was actually what my next question was going to be is what do you think of people that photograph their meal before they eat? Oh, that's that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, I I guess it's okay. I mean, if you're doing it at home, it's one thing to kind of uh, show pride in, in what you're making and put it out there for people. And to be honest with you, also it's it's pretty good for the the restaurant and, and the chef and for yeah. the the cooks that are in the business because one of the things growing. Uh, up in the industry, I mean, back in the day, we used to have uh, you know just a regular camera with the with the loaded in with the, you know the the 200 or 400 film in the back, you know, and and then you leave it on the line underneath the heat lamp and your whole freaking camera and the film melts and it's like it's garbage. <laughs> so it's like all that work that you did, it's all gone. You know, then there came the instant camera. You can take the photos and you got the instant gratification right there. You can either keep it or delete it. You know. Uh, it's a great way to kind of build up a portfolio so you can go to your next job and show them the work that you can do, the food that you put out, whether, you know, it was for somebody else or, you know, doing your own individual party. I, I, it's okay. It's good. But it's it's just kind of comical to watch people in a restaurant sitting there taking photos for like 10 minutes while their food's getting cold. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's the point? I mean, it's like, uh, here I'm taking a picture of my uh, uh, my tuna and I'm going to send it to, uh, to a friend who is home and <laughs> said, hey, look, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm eating nice tuna and... Uh, how's your omelet? Just, yeah, how's your, how's your omelet? <laughs> yeah. you know, how's your sandwich? I don't, I don't know. Yet. Well, I'm guilty of doing it, so... But I do think it is, like you said, it does help the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I mean, we always try to encourage people here to take pictures and share it on social media. And I know that as far as fine dining goes, a lot of chefs have different policies. Some restaurants, they are to no cell phones allowed, no photos allowed. And I can't remember if it was per se, I can't remember who it was, but it was some restaurant like that that had a no phone, no picture policy. But then on their website, they had high-quality images That's that they good. posted that they say you can download these and use them however you'd like. Yeah. And then I know other restaurants, it's a big thing where they're trying to make sure that they're getting stylists to come in to make sure their tables and their flatware are 
good looking for fo- for photographs. Right, right, right. That kills me. Food artists. I, I had somebody, you know, a couple of years ago say that I'm a food artist. I can help you plate your food up pretty and everything else like that. And I'm like, that's what I fucking do every day. And I was like, I don't even need the, you to tell me how to do the food to make it look pretty. You know, it's like, that's what I do. That's what I get that's paid. That's your job. Do. Yeah, it's my, that's my job. I don't care if you're a food yeah, artist. Did, I'm a chef. I did some of, some of those pictures years back, yeah. And uh, I don't know if things are different now with digital pictures that you can tweak on your computer and change colors and uh, uh, you probably can take a black and white picture now and, uh, and just color it any way you want. Um, they, but at the time when, yes, it was done on, on, on like, what do you call it, cellulose, uh, celluloid film or whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, the, the food stylist, as they called themselves at the time, had basically a big old toolbox with lipstick, spray paint, uh, I remember all the tomatoes uh, were uh, rubbed with lipstick, uh, with lipstick that makes oh, really? them nice and shiny. Yes, uh, everything is everything is fake. We did. I remember doing a, a duck or a goose, and I had roasted the whole duck for an hour and fifteen minutes. And of course, you know, then the duck kind of shrank a little bit. And it just shrivel a bit, and you see wrinkles. So it didn't look that great. So finally, I took another duck, uh, brown it with a blowtorch, brown the skin, and uh, paint it with soy sauce. Brown it a little more, a little more honey. Brown it more. Perfect uh, uh, color on the on the duck, and the duck was completely raw inside. Uh, we actually flamed it, and to flame it because uh, cognac or Grand Marnier makes a blue flame that you don't really see on a camera. Uh, we used lighter fluid. No. So the duck was raw, we <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing with lighter fluid, and uh, and then tossed the whole thing in the trash as soon as we were uh. done with the picture. The tomato well, well, had the lipstick on it, I mean it was just, just amazing. Spray paint thing, that had shellac, uh, a spray shellac to give, to give sheen and uh, to certain uh, item of the plate. Uh, yeah, I mean those guys just out of control. Mm-hmm. They have no no idea about cooking or anything. It's well, you, just you remember the the book that uh, Jean Louis Paladin did that uh, he did it was all natural. Yes, exactly what he did. And then they he's like you know we're gonna eat this at the end of this. Right, and, uh, and they did. Eat and they did. Oh actually, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah Jean Louis's book was uh, he did the food. Uh, Fred Maroon uh, did the uh, the picture. Famous photographer in. Uh, in Washington DC and Jeffrey forgot his last name an acrylic artist did all the acrylic plates so and I remember actually I was talking with we, we did a, um, a book signing for Jean-Louis and I, I asked Jean-Louis I looked at his book and it was definitely very different than everything you had seen so far and when I asked him I said why such a different book and such and he said I really wanted to make a book that nobody would copy that was it that was his uh, his uh, his line and uh, so yeah each plate was done for each dish and uh, but same thing I mean the, the the photographer I remember I saw the, the the studio at the time when they were filming it uh, they had screen they had uh, lights all over the place they had uh, uh, things to make shade but they were ready and when Jean we put the food under the thing he just he went go 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 and then a minute <laughs> later stop that's it no more the the the, the sheen is gone, it's, uh, you know, there is no more spring shellac, and they all sat around and ate. Yeah. And uh, everything had truffle and, uh, and, and foie gras in it, so not a bad gig. No. Yeah, exactly. So on the note of Instagrammers and photo takers and gluten-free people and all the annoying people that <laughs> affect us in the industry, and I do a lot of those things, so I can't say too much, but what I do not do 
is Yelp reviews. Oh. What do you think of Yelp? I love checking in when I get to places. You know, do the whole check-in. Mm -hmm. And if it's a mom and pop place, I'll normally say something nice about it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give a, a review or anything else like that. Uh, and especially, I'm not gonna give a bad review unless it's like really, yeah. really, really bad. Then you know, uh, and I did that I think once for uh, I didn't I didn't do it on Yelp, but I did do it on uh, on Facebook when uh, Central Bistro was was open and uh, got the piss poor service there where it was. Uh, the bartender came up to me and said to me, you know, are you going to drink anything else besides water tonight? And I'm like, well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the freaking menu. Yeah, I'm going to probably drink uh, something else, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put up with your freaking attitude. And then she disappeared for 15 minutes, and then I had to flag somebody else down to get a, to get a drink. Uh, and they just opened up at that time, so that was a that was a good healthy start to their uh, to their career. And uh, mercifully, they're they're out of business. They're gone so, now. Yeah, they're they're gone, and, and nobody misses you. So. I maybe I've left uh, three or four Yelp kind of comments, and usually for uh, to help somebody to right. uh, do a good comment, um, uh, and it's pretty pretty simple. I mean, uh, good food, uh, good value, and uh, that's it. I mean, this is basically uh, all we say. And 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 yes, I do read once in a while. I go to a place I've never been to, and if I have the time, I bring up the Yelp thing. Uh, but you know the, the the imbeciles that write the 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 one star review and pound on the whole thing. I know. Uh, you you can see that some people and you've seen it, Lou. Uh, in their business. People walk in, they're pissed off already. Oh, yeah. They had a fight in the car, God knows what. Oh, yeah. And uh, everything is gonna go down the drain from them, from there. Uh, unless you uh, notice it and you go and you offer them a drink immediately and bring them back, everything is gonna be uh, awful. Yeah. Uh, and they're gonna pound on everything. And and you can. Reading those those comments, you can see, uh, you can tell who it's, has an agenda. It's the a, it's the wanna be it's the wanna be food critics, you know. They'll they'll right, start right. they'll so start they, as soon as they walked into right. the place. They'll the, tell you the, the atmosphere. They'll talk about the decor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They did that with our pizza place, the decor. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For ten dollar pizzas. Right. Well, uh, yeah. Right. I mean, somebody even said uh, uh, flipped a. Uh, uh, flipped a plate or something and saw the word IKEA and said, <laughs> Oh, and they even buy that plate at IKEA. I mean, said, Well, yeah, so. A lot of places do. A lot of places do. There's nothing uh, wrong with that. You pick up no, a those people of, have nothing else to do. Right, right they got nothing better to do but to bitch and complain about every little thing in, the, in their world, but they go home that are happy little lives and, uh, you know. There's also the one that know how to write an article, so you know you're going to call them back and offer them free stuff. That's true. Oh, too. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so they're not, you know, they're not too bad. They're bad enough that you, as the owner or as the chef, you're concerned about it. Uh, and, and you, you can you can also tell. And usually they do get their their free stuff. The problem is they uh, they never review or, or, or change their their review uh, after that. Actually, once okay, so I have left a few reviews, not for a long time, but they're usually just nice. Like if it's a small mom and pop, mm -hmm. exactly. Just yeah, good. Right. Good place to stop. Yeah, for don't expect the Ritz Carlton. The food is good. The price is fine. And uh, but and a good time. I did leave one bad review. I can't remember what this place is called. It was in Old Town. It was a breakfast place. It was really popular. It was next to that Contemporary Art Museum in Scottsdale. They had oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's gone now. Oh. They moved orange, orange something. Oh, I know what you're Shit. talking about, but I'm. I'm Drawing a I used to go there all the time right too. Right next door to Daily Dose, no? No. Next to what? No. Daily Dose. No. I thought you said something else. Um, 
Sorry. What? Dildos. Oh. No, it's next to a wig shop. Oh. It's next to. It's hidden. It's hidden back. How could you go by with breakfast? Um, well, I, it was the service. It was, oh, and I had gone there a bunch of times. I don't remember what happened. Of course, it doesn't take much for me, but I, I do remember that I cried because the service was so bad. Wow. It was one of those things where we had to wait an hour. I was hangry, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I just remember the service was so horrible that it was, and I was, like, so hungry that I was just waiting and waiting and waiting, and then... Billy got his food, but then they didn't have mine, and then finally it came, and then it was fucked up, and then and then when I and then we couldn't even get our bill to leave. I just wanted to go. We couldn't find someone. Oh, then I remember we, I saw our server leaving as I'm trying to flag her down to go have a cigarette break, oh, and yeah, yeah nice. and I was just was, I was furious. I cried. I was so pissed, wow. but I cry all the time, so. So I'm not really saying, I wouldn't say too much. Oh <laughs> but I did leave them a bad review, and the owner did ask me to come back, and I did, and I updated my review. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So. But it's pretty funny to read it. I, I always do read the Yelp reviews, because I think if it, if it has one star with 50 reviews, I'm not going to go there. And if it has three or four stars, then I'll be like, okay, well, overall, it's pretty good. I'll go there. But I like reading them because I think they're pretty funny. Even the foodie ones are pretty mm-hmm. funny. But I was telling Pascal, actually, so there's that library up here, the Arabian Library, right. which I think is kind of cool it looking. Is a cool building, yeah. yeah, it's all copper and kind of contemporary looking. I saw that someone gave them a one-star review because they said it was ugly. <laughs> Oh my God. The public library. library, yes. Okay, well, good luck with that. Yeah. So, well, what did I get the, on my uh, star review as far as my uh, self-proclaimed atheist uh, comment? Um, was it a one star? It was a one star. Nice. Self-proclaimed nice. atheist. Um, it has to be one star. You I bashed the Bible. Yeah. I bashed Jesus. And, you and said that um, God invented swear words, so they must be good. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you believe everything, I still stand by that. If you believe that God created everything on heaven and earth, then God created swear words because there's no way God did the, you know everything in six days and didn't have it hit a thumb with a, with a hammer and yeah. scream me, damn it. Yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so, and if you get a problem with that, if you're going to get hell bent out of that, you know, well, then come sit next to me in church and uh, we'll discuss it, all right? We'll break bread, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, you get bent out of shape over something like that, and then you call somebody a self-proclaimed atheist, and hey, go go ahead right at it. You know, have uh, have at it. So good good times. But uh, you know, if if I was, that's my uh, my choice to be. Oh. So there you go. Or people that tell you that um, we travel a lot, uh, we eat in uh, we eat in fancy restaurant everywhere we go, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but the risotto was crunchy, so I guess... Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that room. guy. Yeah. You that uh-huh. <laughs> oh, he had all kinds of things. He had, like, a... He was one of them. He was a foodie who yeah. wrote, like, a whole... Thought he was a restaurant critic. Yes, I remember. The risotto was crunchy. Um, yeah, I, remember, yeah, I don't remember what else he said, but I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know the Big Gay Ice Cream Shop in New York? Which one? The Big Gay Ice Cream Shop. Big, big gay big, ice cream shop. Yeah. Big, big gay. Yeah. Big. Big gay. Big gay ice cream shop. No, it's like Big Gay L from uh, South Park open up a place. No, it's these two gay guys that okay, open cool. up a place, and so it's been open for a few years. I'm surprised he hasn't heard of it. So it's um, nope. it's not. I don't think it's necessarily like good. Obviously, it's 
you know, people go there for the novelty of it. It's called Big A Ice Cream. The rainbow, has, rainbow Sherbet? It, well, it has, like, a, what do you call it, a centaur or whatever, like, mural, but he's, like, a unicorn with, like, rainbows everywhere. Yeah. Um, but so they have an ice cream shop that they just have all kinds of crazy sundaes and ice cream cones. I think they started off with a van. But I heard an interview with them, and they're really funny. They said that a group of Yelpers contacted them and asked for them to open an hour early. There was going to be a group of 10 elite Yelpers that were going to come in, and they wanted to try every single flavor of ice cream and have it pre-ready for them and, you know, single-serve, whatever. And they said, no, I'm sorry, we can't help you. And they did the whole, but do you know who we are? Oh, I know somebody <laughs> that did that. Really? No, there was a... There was a uh, oh. <laughs> you know who. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we won't... Yeah. yeah. Wasn't it in Oregon last year or a couple of years ago there was a problem with, uh, with Yelp or Washington State? Uh, somebody had put a... Um, Put a decent, uh, a decent uh, uh, review, and then call and try to get some freebie saying I'm with Yelp. And when the restaurant said no, sorry, change the review to a uh, to a bad review. Oh, I don't think I heard about that one. Yeah, there was something like that. I forgot exactly what it was. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you always gotta have an idiot or two that work uh, different places. You know, it's gonna happen. Yeah, we have. We have lots of them. It's just like any movie critic or anything else. I'm not going to listen to the, the people on right. that that are going to tell me. What kind of food you like. Right. Uh, whether it's, yeah. They're not going to tell me the food I like. That You know, if a movie critic's not going to tell me what movie I'm going to enjoy or, or I'm going to dislike. I'm going to judge for myself and I'm going to try it out. It doesn't matter. If I'm in the neighborhood and I'm looking for Italian and there's an Italian place there, to me it doesn't matter unless I walk into it and it's like a, you know, a real dive, you know, I'm not going to stick around there and I'm going to go somewhere else, but, yeah. um, I'm not going to go by their reviews. So I don't even, don't even care. Well, and today again, somebody restaurants that really put, put out shitty food all the time. We are not going to stay in business. Anymore. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like that. Remember at Amy's baking company? Oh, they're fantastic. After that came, <laughs> after that episode came out their their Yelp got flooded by like, Oh, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of people oh, yeah. just writing horrible reviews about them that never went there. Right, right, exactly. But yeah, if you don't go there, then don't don't write something bad about it. I mean, go there, experience it, then you can write whatever you want. But uh, at least go there. It'd be kind of fun actually to do a review on a, all the review that you write. So at the end, you say actually I haven't eaten there yet. But <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah. This is the feel I get from. That's exactly. um. <laughs> That's what happened on that, you know, that Odyssey Aquarium that opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I was looking on their Facebook a few months ago, and I was trying to figure out how much tickets were going to be and when they opened. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah. But um, anyways, some woman wrote a bad review. She wrote one or two stars. They already had, like, 12 reviews, which they weren't open yet. So that's, again. But this woman wrote a one or two star review, and her review was said, tickets are probably going to be too expensive how do you expect families of how do you expect large families to be able to come out and they commented and said 
we don't even have our ticket prices right, up yet. Right, so. right. Well, if you're worried about it, PetSmart has a nice little display of goldfish. <laughs> you can go walk around there and check that out. You know, hey, kids, look at the ones floating on the top there. You know? She said something, too, about, like, large families of six or seven. It's like, well, I don't have six or seven kids. Right. You want to take them to the aquarium. Right. I don't know. What was her maiden name? Pez? She's popping them out. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. The whole Odyssey thing to me is just kind of funny anyway. It's like trying to come to the desert to go to a ocean aquarium. So makes sense to me, right? <laughs> it's like going to Alaska and going to say, hey, let's go check out the rainforest. So, I actually want to go to Odyssey, though, because, <laughs> <laughs> because I'll tell you why. Um, well, I like to take Gigi for walks mm -hmm. because I'm obese now after having a child. <laughs> and it's too hot to walk outside for me. I mean, I, you run outside all the time, so I guess I'm not yeah. preaching to the, right, to the right choir. But for me, it's too hot to walk outside. And for a baby, it's too hot to bring yep, her outside. Yep. So I usually walk her around the mall, but the mall is a half an hour away, and that's a whole project to get her all loaded up. And the aquarium is a lot closer, and I thought she would like to look at all the fish and stuff. So I wanted to yeah. go. But then it is expensive. Although... Is it... Well, it's like 35, 35. bucks, wow. yeah. but then I think a year membership is like a hundred bucks or something. Oh, really? So I was, I thought if it was cool, then I could just get the year membership. If I walked there once a week, then it would be worth it. But I heard, I did look at the Yelp reviews and say opened, and I guess, <laughs> and so see, I guess Yelp is, I mean, it is good. And a lot of people complain because they said it, they pushed the opening date because they wanted to be open for Labor Day weekend, and it wasn't ready yet, so the tanks were half full. They have a restaurant? They have a bunch of restaurants, I think. Yeah, I mean, no fish on the menu, I mean. Oh, no, I no hope not. <laughs> oh, someone else wrote it. This is funny. Someone wrote a Yelp review about that aquarium, and because they said that there was a dead fish floating at the top and they said yeah, I know and they said um, there was a it was especially disturbing because there was a dead fish that was probably particularly upsetting to small children and now parents are gonna have to explain something to them that they probably shouldn't have to well, what are they gonna yeah, do? No, don't tell anything keep them in the dark and then uh, yeah. Yeah, they're you all keep them in front of the TV and then video game and uh, and when they come out of college, they get fired on that first job. All the, all the fish are vegetarian, they eat kelp. You know, so, good lord. It's probably feeding time and one of the damn fish didn't get eaten, that's all. God, people are just... I know. <laughs> the fish are vegetarian. That's uh, funny. So Have you seen Silicon Valley? Um... It's like the HBO series. Oh, no, no, I, I haven't. No. Have you seen it? No, I have not. It's on my list. Too. It's super yeah. funny. Is it? But in it so you know how we always get people that say they're vegetarian or gluten-free and we'll ask at the beginning so there's only two vegetarians mm -hmm. and then we bring out oh, the yeah. vegetarian the meal yeah then everybody's like "Ooh, that looks good i'm a yeah. vegetarian and so it was the same thing so there's this one guy that's kind of like a jackass in it and he wants to, he is one of those people that has always has to be special and different and so he says that he's a fishitarian when he goes to this fancy dinner and he'll only eat fish that eat other fish and so they bring out a special plate for him, and then everyone around him goes, ooh, what's that? And they're like, this is the fishitarian special. And they're all like, I'm a fishitarian also. <laughs> exactly sure. what happens here all the time. We were all just reading some articles about now in the news. The new thing is that, of course, the industry has been lying to us, and the sugar industry, I think, um, sponsored a big... 
health study saying that fat's bad and sugar's okay. I think you know more about it, Pascal. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, September 13, something came out uh, a week ago, and they said that they have uh, newly discovered that the sugar industry downplayed the risk of sugar in the 60s and the early 70s. Um, it's actually interesting because I was going to talk about this eventually one day on our uh, podcast and talk about the um, the trouble with uh, or the uh, the problem that we've had with all the sugar that we've been uh, eating and now it kind of makes sense the um, the article draws an internal document uh, to show that uh, the sugar research foundation uh, wanted to basically refute the concern about possible uh, sugar and heart disease so if they finally tell you it's not uh, it's not gonna uh, cause heart disease they definitely went on and tell you it's not uh, fattening as well and uh, uh, they went on um, I believe the uh, sugar uh, research foundation paid scientists up to fifty thousand dollars in order to come up with, uh, um, I mean, a research in the favor of, right. of sugar. Right. Right. And interestingly enough, I think some of the soft drink companies still are still using those uh, those research, uh, even though I'm sure they uh, they know that it is uh, completely uh, erroneous and uh, and wrong. So basically, what happened in um, in the um, mid early 70s, mid 70s, uh, Congress, no, pardon me, Senator McGovern, Senator from South Dakota. Uh, had uh, seen uh, a few of his colleague, colleagues in the Senate drop dead of heart attack. And it happened, I think, uh, five or six senators and congressmen died in office in the 60s and 70s. And that was kind of a concern for him. And um, he had uh, something to do with the USDA already. So he's the one who decided to uh, call a bunch of scientists and say, well, no, we're gonna leech, we're going to teach Americans how to eat. They came up with that pyramid that we all know and uh, with the craziness of basically the uh, fat is bad and carbs is good. Uh, sugar company, uh, sugar industry already had said that sugar was good for you. So all they had to do is convince people that if you're getting fat, it's because you eat too much fat. So it was pretty simple. Granted that in their defense, uh, they actually had said that the good carbs were carbs from vegetables and fruit. But in translation, the whole thing got right. lost. Right. And what basically uh, 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 people remember is fat bad and uh, carb goods. So yeah, it is um, it is pretty funny that uh, this was published, actually finally published in 1967 and was hidden uh, all this time. And the uh, Journal of Medical Medicine Association um, decided to, uh, to 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 talk about it today. Um, interesting. Forty years later, from what I understand, in the early seventies, we had seventeen percent obesity in America. Uh, we just now passed forty percent. So congratulations, <laughs> uh, Senator McGovern and all the other idiots that uh, told us that uh, carb was good and fat was bad. And we finally, finally, maybe we're gonna realize one day that. Uh, uh, eating olive oil and even butter and uh, is actually good for you. So yeah, interesting things. So you know, I've been uh, screaming on top of my lung for for for, for 40 years about uh, about that pyramid, about the, the the whole nonsense of not eating any fat and eating only carbs. And uh, now we know. Now we know.
Well, did you see, too, they're saying that Kellogg's and General Mills and Post are getting hit with all these lawsuits against them because they have these cereals that they claim are healthy. And it says that the FDA does not define high or low sugar. For instance, Raisin Bran Crunch contains 19 grams of sugar per 53 grams per 53 gram serving. So 40% of the calories come from sugar, but they claim that it's a a healthy cereal. So now all these class action lawsuits that their statements that their cereals are healthy, nutritious, or wholesome are false and misleading. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I guess it's the the, the story for the for attorneys here. But um, as long as we'll have people that will still say no carb is good or fat is good or this is that, uh, and nobody agrees uh, on the on the way of eating properly, uh, we're gonna kind of have all those lawsuits. I don't think anything's gonna go anywhere because you can always. Uh, here we go. For 40 years, for 50 years, um, everybody thought that sugar was good for you because of those research. Yeah. And it turned out to be completely wrong. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's still time to uh, educate people and uh, have uh, have people understand what they eat. I think people just want the fast way to, the easy way to lose weight, and they just they don't. I mean, they don't want to really learn what they need to do. They just want like a quick gimmick. Yeah, that's And true. so that's like I think now it's gluten free. They people think that if they eat gluten free, it means that. I don't think they know what gluten is, so they think they think it means they eat healthy. True, it means that they they think they're cutting out carbs when they cut out gluten, but they're they're, they're not. And and the thing is that with the majority of the the food that people are eating, it's the the convenient food. And when you're talking about the convenient as far as working out and whatever else, that's what America is. We're we're a country of convenience, and that's where fast food joints and those sort of places they make a ton of money off of people who just don't have the time of day to actually cook a, an actual nutritious meal. So then they'll they'll buy the box mac and cheese, you know, the, with tons of sugar already loaded into the food. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they'll they'll go and cook that and, and call that a good family, you know, home-cooked meal. And it's like, no, no, it's going to take a little longer than five minutes and straight out of a box with a packet of uh, yellow freaking dye uh, cheese sauce and whatever else like that. And I think uh, I posted... Um, and I'll, I'll share it with you guys with the the little clip as far as the movie coming out fed up, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all about all the sugars that are loaded in the foods that are already oh, being fed processed. Up yeah, was was like a life changing movie for like a sugar problem. So I made my parents watch Fed Up, and they they showed like uh, you know cat scans of people's heads, uh, yeah. you know, in their brain, and it's like the exact same amount of or the activity in your brain from sugar is the exact same activity you get cocaine. from cocaine. Exactly yeah. it. Yeah. So so it's just absolutely ridiculous, you know that. We've been forced for 50-some years now to accept that sugar is good and, you know, eating fats and, and those sort of things are, are bad for you. But, I mean, look at our look at our kids. Look at the, you know, the obesity. Look at the, was it the type 2 diabetes and, mm-hmm. and how yeah. crazy that is right sure. now in this country. It's and just ridiculous. If you actually look at the, the, the advertisement on TV for the... Um, there's an advertisement for a guy who's got like nerve damage in his feet because of diabetes. Thank God he's got socks on, but he's like rubs his ass to <laughs> And he said, I've got nerve damage, blah, blah. The guy's obviously overweight, so they put an overweight guy for the commercial so people can relate to it. And I think the biggest problem is actually come from also our, 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 um, our health uh, system. 
if you if somebody is uh, some woman is 250 pounds and uh, she has diabetes and she goes see a doctor and the, doc the first thing the doctor tell her is listen you need to lose 100 pounds first mm -hmm. she's just gonna get up yeah. smack him and leave the office and say the guy insulted me I need to uh, find a doctor who's gonna tell me what I want to hear right. in mm -hmm. other words keep eating the crap you eat keep uh, you know keep gorging on those uh, on those sugar thing and uh, but here is Lipito he's Cresto he's all kinds right. of stuff and right. uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's the whole message is wrong. I think it's not the snackwell cookies that are donut to you, right? So they're low. They're low. Yeah, they're fat exactly and, and calories and everything else. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole. Yeah, they reduce fat. Yeah, exactly. So when you're drinking that, uh, you know, the zero calorie colas and stuff like that, what in God's name are they putting in there? You know, what chemicals and everything else yeah. are they putting in there? That's it's not natural. If you're going to do something like that, at least go sort of natural. But, you know, try to cut back on the sugars or cut it out completely, you know. Drink water. Drink water. Drink uh, drink other things. There's better things to drink than, than just freaking pop and, and garbage. Yeah, water like is that. still the cheapest drink. Yeah. Well, I just heard that Gatorade, which is all sugar, all sugar and food coloring, yeah. is coming out with organic Gatorade, <laughs> which is still all food coloring and sugar. Well, sugar is organic, yeah. Yeah, you right, exactly. You don't put pesticide on it. Sure. And, uh, it's good, good, uh, good, good stuff. Yeah, well, wow. it's probably another Monsanto company right there anyway, right? So I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Yeah, Fed Up was really sad because there was a, a family in it, a couple families, and the kids were morbidly obese. Yeah. And the well, doctors were telling their parents, your kid is going to die before he turns 21. If he keeps eating like this mm -hmm. and the parents were just kind of like we don't know what to do I mean they were upset but they're like we can't help it well this this article here from the the Journal of American Medicine uh, says that uh, in the 70s actually um, America's per capita sugar consumption went up by a third because uh, uh, when they started to uh, to remove all the fat from all the prepared food you remove fat you have to replace it by sugar and uh, and other kind of carbs so yes, definitely the the, the 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 starting in the early seventies, mid seventies of low fat food uh, was the beginning of uh, of the obesity epidemic in uh, in America, and that's when we started becoming very unhealthy. Um, but we did it happily, though. We really thought uh, we really thought it was good. It was mm -hmm. tasty. Oh well. Maybe we're learning. I hope so. Mm -hmm. Too too slow. Yeah. Too slow. Well, does anybody have anything else they'd like to share about fish no, <laughs> or Yelp? That's, that's about it. No, I think we pretty much beat up Yelp pretty pretty good today. So. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Write whatever you're, whatever you're going to write and have at it, and, you know, but I will rebut. Yes. Yes. All right. Until next week. All right. Bye-bye. Right, Bye. Thanks for listening to the Food Connection Podcast. Stay tuned for our interview with Chef Bo McMillan from Elements at Sanctuary Resort. Food Connection is brought to you by Classic Cooking Academy in Scottsdale, Arizona. You can find us at www.ccacademy.edu. So we are here with Chef Bo McMillan from Sanctuary. And how are you? I'm fantastic. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank well, you for thank you for us. having us here in this beautiful uh, table twelve here, uh, magnificent uh, resort, magnificent room. The 
the reason we're here is uh, uh, you are probably the chef in town. Uh, people that don't that don't live in Scottsdale or Phoenix know you uh, because of your appearance on TV, and uh, you're also, in my opinion, one of the better chefs in this town. Oh, thank you. And this is certainly uh, an awesome resort with a phenomenal uh, kitchen and uh, wonderful food. I'm also uh, uh, very proud to say that we've had a couple of students working with you and uh, hopefully it worked uh, properly. Yeah, Erica says to say hi. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we love, we'll take all the students we can get. <laughs> well, and this is one of the questions. Before we turn the mic on, we're talking a couple of minutes about, um, about how difficult it is to find a cook. Mm. And uh, Chef, as you were telling me, the pay, uh, the pay uh, scale is, uh, is kind of odd in this business. Yeah, you know, you, you just bring up such an interesting point in talking from a chef to a chef in, in, in regards to a kitchen. You know, my issues used to be staffing. It used to be like finding dishwashers to work, you know? And it's just, it's funny, I made a point um, a moment ago is, is when I started my career, I started my career in 1991, fresh out of culinary school, and I got offered an hourly rate and the hourly rate I got offered is pretty much the going norm for an hourly rate now in 2016. <laughs> and something's amiss there. Something's yeah. awry. You know, yeah, and I, I know good cooks and I've worked with good cooks all my life and, and been blessed to be under some great chefs in my life. And even from my history here at Sanctuary, you know, when we got a good cook in here, it was great. And, you know, to pay that good. For a while, we would then sacrifice, okay, it's hard to find great cooks, it's hard to find good cooks. So we make them and develop them. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's hard to find the people to develop. It's hard to get those entry-level people in here and develop them. So something's got to give here sooner or later. Right. And I wonder, since also the, uh, as you said, uh, uh, spending thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to go to culinary school and then make ten bucks an hour with payment a monthly of eight hundred, it doesn't work. Um, Agreed, but uh, isn't it, uh, and also with the uh, large chain of school that is defunct now, uh, I mean literally thousands of uh, students are not going to go into this business mm -hmm. or are probably looking twice. Do you think that the old apprenticeship in the kitchen will come back or may actually appear here like it used to, uh, to, I, to be in Europe? I would be a fan of that. I, I, I would support that 100%. I've always... I've always been an advocate for culinary school, and I, I, I mainly be for for focus, for discipline, for vocab, for all the fundamentals that you'll get in a culinary school. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also really appreciated and understood the school of hard knocks, and have worked for people who have never had the opportunity to go and, and do this. So I think that yes, you're gonna people are gonna understand. I don't want to risk. $60,000 on a culinary program right. when you got to make you got to realize that 80% of the workforce as an executive chef around this country probably doesn't make $60,000 a year. Right. So how long will that take to pay back? And I think mm -hmm. that if you go now and you know one of the greatest chefs I worked for told me if you want to be if you want to be somebody work for somebody and you know you knock down doors, you write letters now, you find a way into that kitchen and I, no one has ever asked me to see my degree from Johnson Wells University. Funny you say that. I, uh, I actually say exactly the same thing and uh, the only time I had to actually show my, uh, my diploma was to my brother. Uh, not that he didn't believe me, but when we started a school and I had to show it to the Department of Education. That's awesome. Um, the, um, but it's true, and uh, uh, I remember actually I've been teaching for many, many years, uh, over 30 years, and I remember chefs telling me, 
One advantage of a culinary school student, he said, whether uh, he or she has learned anything or not, I really don't care because I'm going to uh, ship them. But what I uh, uh, like, if somebody who wants to spend $30,000 is serious about it and is going to put up with my shit, mm -hmm. basically, that's what, uh, that's what I've heard. Right. And, uh, uh, and it turned out that, no, actually, st uh, kids, uh, the parents are paying $50,000 and kids couldn't care less and then had a lousy attitude anyway. Mm -hmm. It's such a huge point you bring up. When I graduated, and this is back in 1991, they told me about 5% of my class at the time, and I had a very large graduating class, 10 years from now would probably still be in a kitchen. I believe I'm still one of the only a very young percentage, a very small percentage of actually chefs that have graduated with a culinary degree that are still chefs in this world today. And so to that point too, when people ask for advice in regards to becoming a chef or regards to culinary school and wanting to go down that road, I say, I think it's a great thing for you to do, but what I would recommend is go get a job in a restaurant and work in a restaurant for a year first. Mm -hmm. And then you're gonna really see, too many times kids come in here and they're like, you know, I got my degree from culinary school, but mm -hmm. they there's no direct, mm -hmm equation of how difficult and Therefore, how, uh, how, how, what, a, what a commitment you have to put in right. to be successful in this business. Uh, I have a degree from uh, whatever, whatever school, therefore I don't peel carrots. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got news. <laughs> so I actually went to culinary school too. And yep. I think that mo when I don't work in the kitchen, obviously, but I think most of my classmates don't work in the kitchen. I can only yeah. think of a couple that do. Yeah. But I'd be interested, since you have been on the Food Network yeah. and When Iron Chef America and all that stuff, right. I think that's kind of opened a whole new door. Young people see the Food Network and yeah. think that it's just like on TV and that maybe if they go to culinary school, then they'll yeah. just automatically come out and be a chef. Yeah. Do and you find that? No. Well, yes, I find <laughs> that often. I, I just don't necessarily agree with that. Right. And I think that sadly... Um, I can, I can, I, I'm one of these guys that the glass isn't half full, the glass is always full. Or if it isn't, fill it out, right? That's, that's my motto. In regards to Food Network, and I've had so many great opportunities and great blessings there, and I love that, but um, I was different. I didn't, I didn't want or ever try to be a television star. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my goal in life. Right. What brings me the most pleasure and the most satisfaction is cooking. And even as a chef, i got to be honest with you, if I could make the money I make now and support the family and have the lifestyle that I want and do it working in the saute station, yeah. that's where I'd want to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Chefs, you have to manage, you have to lead. You know, right. you got to communicate. you gotta, you got There's so much that goes beyond. And I love that. But I think with Food Network today, I think the sad thing is, is you still have to have old school chefs that really understand what this is. And you're in a business of hospitality. Hospitality is the relationship between the host and the guest, it's created organically, you need each other. Mm -hmm. And really chefs, true, the, the, the real word meaning is a pleaser of people, a giver of life and celebration through food. That's the, the main purpose. It's accommodating. It's taking into account people's necessities or their even their desires. And you know, you're, you're talking about one of life's most central pleasures. Right. So I look at that with food and I go, look, look, if you commit to this, you know, if you understand that um, it may take 10 years to train in Japan to, to clean a fish properly, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you're willing to do this, it hard work pays off. I mean, Ferdinand Point, one of the best chefs in the world, talked about a hollandaise and he said four to five simple ingredients, years and years and years to perfect. Mm -hmm. That is the true essence of what it should be with food. And um, if you want to be a television personality, I'll tell you how to be a television personality. But... If you want to be a television chef, 
you have to be a chef. You right. ha- have to understand. And, and I think there's a lot of false realizations. I think with young people, I've seen commercials for culinary schools where kids are getting out of a limo and they're waving and people <laughs> are taking pictures of them. I'm like, I'm like, what are you saying? It's like, yeah. and, and, and if you worked in my day and age, I mean, this was a brutal business, but, but you were told one thing. Here's, first of all, if you want to be rich and famous, you're in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For the first two years, I lived in a shack and I shared my only pair of shoes with my roommate. That came from my mentor's mentor. Wow. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I just think that there's there's a commitment there. And that's, you know, there were 18-hour days. There were there were double shifts. And you, you know from France and the, the history there and what it takes to be somebody. And, and it's just, to me, um, now I think people have to, you either got to get it ingrained in your blood early and know and continue to work and move around or you know right away. You know right away. I, 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 this isn't this is an everyday life. This is a lesson every day. This is this is. I'm still a student. I'm I'm 45 years old. I'm still a student here, and I've learned sometimes more than the people that have worked around me, than the people are more from the people that have worked for me than the people I work for. So I, I look at it like this: is like when you think about food, make it about food, make it about people. That's what hospitality is. That's what cooking is all about. Um, develop your palate. Uh, develop your skills hone them uh, from every level of every station and take your time cooking. It's the cooking for me, honestly, the commitment that I did slowly with it over a 15 year span of being a cook that got me to where I am as a chef today. Mm-hmm. So you cannot be an amazing chef unless you're an amazing cook. Yeah. Very good. And this is <coughs> said from uh, uh, somebody, we're talking about the chef coming out of the, 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 the limo and all that stuff. Maybe Bobby Flay does that kind of stuff. But I want to remind <laughs> our listener that uh, Bomag here beat Bobby Flay <laughs> in the Iron <laughs> Chef. So take that, Bobby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was one battle, man, I'll tell you. It might have been a little luck there, but I'll take it. I'll take it all day long. So. Oh. I thought it was really cool because a few years ago I came with the students mm-hmm. uh, with Chef Pascal and you did a kitchen tour mm-hmm. and I remember you were kind enough to decide just taking the time to you know show the students everything you had here but you gave everyone your card and you told oh. them all if you ever need anything to yeah. call you or email you and I thought that was so cool that someone that's so so busy and as you would take the time it, to it, to do that you go through a, a spin in your life it's funny too because years in kitchens i spent learning from others and being the young person that had people around me that had more knowledge and more wisdom and and growth and through that growth you see your roles change even my roles as a chef now have become more on the creative side of life for the hotel and i have younger strong guys that mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. can expedite the board without losing their minds you know what i mean <laughs> and that, that's in their role set that's how you 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 graduate to the next chapter of your life but um the, it, it goes a lot there's a lot of satisfaction in in giving back and teaching especially with young people one of the biggest and most things i'm proud of here is yes iron chef was a, a nice little victory for me mm-hmm. but i've been at my job for 18 years i opened this hotel uh i got here in 1998 i opened in 2001 and through my 18 years here i've seen young culinarians come in and go on to be 
more successful than I've been and go to uh, foreign cities and, be, and, and win Top Chef and, and now own Chicago and, and, and out in LA running three restaurants. And when you have a young, and you have young people like that still, that you made an impact in their life, and maybe it's a small impression, maybe it's a big impression, maybe there's just memories and the sentimental value, it's just special giving back. And I, and I mean that, I would help anybody out, I think that's important. I was working with Carol Chin at Bon Appetit Magazine and I was a young guy and I said, I said, uh, uh, you know, what's the best advice you can give to a young chef uh, in this day and age? And she said, well, you build your relationships one handshake and one smile at a time. And she goes, and never be afraid to pass out your business card. There you go. And I thought about it, you know, so it's, uh, it's important. Relationships. That's what this life is built on. Yeah. yeah and good guys are winners. We all know that. <laughs> Simple. Awesome. Yeah. And as far as giving back, I know that Scottsdale League of the Arts um, yeah. awarded you for your charitable contributions, right. and you're really involved with St. Mary's Food Bank and yeah. a lot of other organizations. Um, CCAP. 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 Yeah. Sure, sure. You know, it is. It's, it's, I'm in a position where I can be, and that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's a real lucky position to be in, and, and I am. And, I, and I, you want to step up for people in this community, and that's really the other thing that I think I, 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 I'm – honored to, to, to be talking now, especially with this podcast, because, you know, for years here, we've been one of the biggest cities in America. I think we're the sixth largest city in America, mm -hmm. and I've seen it grow. Scottsdale in 1998 is not Scottsdale in 2016, right. and the food community here keeps pushing, oh, keeps yeah. pushing forward yeah. for a little attention, right. and I've always been one who's not only wanted to support any charity and help others, but I want to help the culinary community here, mm -hmm. and we've done a lot internally at Sanctuary, and continue. I think, I think not only our food, but our craft cocktail culture that we have going mm -hmm. on in this city yeah. can throw down with a lot of cities in this nation. And we need, we need some light. Our, our day is going to come in this, in this, uh, in this, in this time frame, and we're going to raise a glass of champagne soon. I guarantee it. I think so. So one final question. Well, actually two questions. I heard a rumor that Sanctuary may be opening a sister hotel. Yeah. Is that true? Okay. So there's some truth in this. Yeah. There's some, there is some truth to that. And I'll break that down for you. So we're lucky enough to have a partnership with a, a management company called West Rock. Mm -hmm. And they are a partial owner of the Sanctuary. Uh, there's a private owner as well. West Rock has their, they, they manage and, and own a part of Sanctuary. And they also own the Hotel Valley Hub. Okay. Now, okay. West Rock has just purchased Mountain Shadows, and they are going to revamp the beautiful Mountain Shadows property, which is a legendary property here for over 25 years, I believe, in the valley, and one of the first. And uh, they've got, they're putting a swank kind of little rebuild cool. with some, I think, some respect for the nostalgia and the history of the property, mm -hmm. but with, of course, the Valley Ho kind of like... Pizzazz to it. So yeah, that's due to open up in February. And what I love about it is it's a block away and it has a golf course. So I got a I got a little brother property with a golf course on it. We got a spa and we can just you know you this hand washes this hand and the two wash the face. There you uh, go. Yeah. yeah. So I know the big game was last week, yeah. but Cardinals uh, or Patriots. <laughs> You know, this is the thing, and I was telling, I had all the players here. I had Larry here, who I'm, I am a huge Larry Fitzgerald fan. Mm -hmm. I also love Carson, AQ. I know a lot of the guys because I've worked and cooked for them, and we hosted their party. And also, working with the cards over the last three years has been a blessing for me. Uh -huh. But of course, everyone's like, Bo, you grew up in New England. <laughs> I do love the Patriots, and I, I, I had to look Carson in the eye, and he's like, Well, who are you going to root for this week? I'm like, Carson, I'm, I'm, I'm a Phoenix City guy. I've lived here for 18 years now. 
I can root for Patriots when they're not playing the Cardinals. But go. on okay. Cardinal Sunday, I was dressed in my gear. I was there. I was ready. I was firing up the fans. I had a blast. It was a heartbreaker. I got to tell you, I was. I still wish they would have let Larry yeah. kick the field goal. I mean, you I know, know, but it was Me? a heartbreaker. Yeah, but guess what? I could have kicked it. They'll get back on their feet. They'll get back on their feet. They're going to be strong this year. I, I feel really so. good about them. Very good. No, I'm not uh, that good. Yeah, thank you so much for it's your time. It's my pleasure, you guys. I'm on it. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank yeah, you. thank you. Awesome. This has been a classic cooking production, hosted by Chef Pascal Dionel, Chef Lou Swartz, and Danielle Sanders. Produced by Danielle Sanders.